Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Well, the title of my message this evening is, But God kind of picked up on what I said Sunday morning and it just kind of stuck with me and stayed with me so I thought well let's let's put together a message entitle it but God and small words can be very powerful for example like the word if two letter word if But if you read John chapter 15 in verse 7, notice what it means. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and that shall be done unto you. Notice there are some conditions to effective praying. If is a big word, even though it's small right here. If you abide in me, if my words abide in you then what ask what you will so it's important that we understand although it's a small word it has tremendous meaning but then again there's another word another small word but it's powerful also and it's the word but three letter word but notice in Luke's gospel chapter 22 verses 31 and 32 Jesus is speaking And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desire to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. But, but what? But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You notice there's a statement before the but, and the statement after the but. And although the statement before the but is important, I believe what really matters is what's said after the but. Because if you turn that situation around, turn the saying around, and we say it like this, there's a different emphasis. Peter, I prayed for you, but Satan wants you, he desires to sift you like wheat. You see where the emphasis is? Remember when Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Notice what the emphasis is? But turn that around and hear, I've overcome the world, but you're going to have tribulation like you've never seen before. You see how that shifts the whole emphasis? The thief, he comes to steal, kill, destroy, but I've come to give you life. But flip that over. I've come to give you life. But the devil's come to steal and kill and destroy. You see what the emphasis is? It's what is after the but that really has the most impact. And that's why husbands, when you're talking to your wives and you say that, honey, I got something to share with you. Make sure when you say but, say the but, but I love you so much. Say it after what you want to say before the but. Just a little heads up. It'll get you places. <laughs> Amen. 
Now, there's another word when you add it or connect it to the but that makes it even more powerful. And it's but God. Everybody say but God. Look at Acts chapter 13. 29 and 30. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. Now, wow. That's, that seems pretty doom and gloom, wouldn't you say? But what are the next two words? But God. Everybody say, but God. But God raised him from the dead. Oh, we know they took his life. But we also know he laid down his life. And no man could take his life from him. And even though the devil thought they had defeated the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. But God raised him from the dead. Who has the final say? God does. But God. Now. When we use this term, but God, and when uh, it's viewed in relation to life's, let's say, challenges or circumstances that we go through, it's like saying up is what's to down. In is what's to out. Victory is what's to defeat. So that's why we want to make certain that when we say but, let's be certain that we're finishing on a positive note. Because oftentimes you'll hear people say, but I just can't. But I don't know what I'm going to do. God wants us to be reprogrammed in the way we think and the way we speak. And he wants us to agree with his word and declare and decree what it says. And so when we use the but, but God at the end, we want to say something that God says that will produce victory in our lives. Oh, it may seem like as though that things around us are falling apart, but God, but God. It may seem like as though, you know, you're not going to be able to find a job, but God. But you see, oftentimes you hear people say, but I just can't find a job. Notice the but I. I believe if we'll learn to turn our butt eyes into butt gods, it'll make a world of difference in all of our lives. Look at this next verse in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And notice what's said before the butt and then what's after the butt. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom all we had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what's he saying? Before the but, we were dead in sins. Before the but, we were under the control of the flesh, the unrenewed mind, and the world system. 
just coming against us with full force. But he says, God, God, that you know, God that you serve is rich in mercy and great in his love for every single one of us. So what comes after? What did he do? He made us alive. He raised us up. He made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were dead, but he made us alive. We passed from death to life. Oh, we were once dead. We were once under the control of the world, the devil, and the flesh. We were under the control of an unrenewed mind that didn't know the things of God. But God, praise God, passed us from death to life. He quickened us. He made us alive. But God raised us up out of the miry clay, praise God, and put our feet on solid ground and made us sit together with him. What a, what a revelation. Positionally, we are with him in heavenly places. Practically, we're still here on the earth. But you know, we're to function and operate from our position with him in heavenly places. And if we recognize that and realize that, Oh, I recognize and I realize that there is a world that's out there that's against us. I recognize we've got evil forces that are out there against us. I recognize that even sometimes our close friends are against us and mock us because we're Christians and we believe God. It doesn't matter what the enemy out there in the world has and brings our way. We know we'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, praise God. But God has raised us up. But God has given us a position of authority over all the powers of evil and darkness. We've got to learn to live by the but gods that are revealed to us in Scripture. Look at another one in 1 Samuel, another but God Scripture. And this is verse 20, chapter 23, verse 14 from the New Living Translation. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country of Ziph. Saw, hunted him day after day. Have you ever felt like the enemy is trying to hunt you down day after day and wreak havoc with your life? But everybody say the next two words. But God. Say it again. But God didn't let Saul find him. Who protected David out there when he was running from Saul now let's let me paint you a bigger and broader picture the devil got wind of the fact that Samuel anointed David to be the next king over Israel and I'm sure he may have uh, known some things about David's life oh he may have been a young person but he was already wreaking havoc with his kingdom no matter what he did let's say to stir up trouble in David's life maybe he sent a lion to take a lamb out of the flock he destroyed it with his bare hands a bear came along as well and did the same thing he destroyed it as well he faced Goliath Goliath was no match for the God that he served and these are those things that are recorded there could be many more things that David did by the hand of the God that he had served and he thought I've got Saul just like a puppet on a string. I can influence him not to do what God wants him to do. And we see Saul in his reign did that over the years. So what does he do? He's now panicking over the fact that David's going to take over. And if David takes over, 
that kingly line, the Messiah is going to come in. So he stirs up trouble against David. He's got Saul hunting him down like an animal day in and day out. Trying to find him. Wanting to kill him. And even though he is pressing hard. I mean I can't even imagine this. Where do you go to hide from the king and his army? Well, try as the devil may. No matter what he brought David's way. No matter what he said he was going to do. But God. Just let that sink in for a moment. But God did not allow the enemy to find him. God set up a standard. God rose up in defense of David. God protected him just like he protected Chuck and me when we were in the Philippine Islands and were abducted. Yes, we were abducted in, the Philipp in Manila. But God... Yes, these men took us into a car that was unmarked, took us down a back alley. But God. Yes, they took us down to where they said, we've got some girls here that you can have your way with. But God. Yes, they surrounded our car and had some plans. And I don't think they wanted to have a cup of tea with us. And yes, they may have been small of stature but we were outnumbered but God and yes they forcefully opened up the doors and said get out we've got the girls in the building there and we said no 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 in the name of Jesus let us take us to the hotel oh beloved I don't know what they saw I don't know what they thought. I know that they were professionals because we were told that. And they had their agenda. They had their plan. They had to meet their quota, I guess, of confiscating our money, taking what we had, holding us ransom, and if we don't, if they, we don't pay, if the church didn't pay, then kill us. But God, all we know is that when we said no, take us to the hotel in the name of Jesus, they slammed the door shut they jumped into the car they spilled out of that place took us straight to the Sheridan Hotel ripped open the trunk threw out our luggage on the sidewalk and they tore off down the road faster than you could even begin to imagine and all we did was stand there looking at each other like what just happened <laughs> you know what happened a but God moment happened but God did not let them touch one hair on our heads. So listen, no matter what the enemy has strategized, no matter what he has planned, no matter what he thinks he's going to do, I believe this is going to resonate in us for a long period of time after this message tonight. You're going to be driving down the highway and you're going to hear some, some things on the phone or hear someone say this or whatever. But whatever the news comes, immediately you're going to say, but God. Oh, but God, praise God. But God has made a way. But God is more than enough. But the God that I serve, praise God, will see me through to victory. I know I'll have tribulation, but God said, be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. And what a change of perspective for all of us to have. You see, 
every one of us will experience challenging situations. Jesus said the storms of life will come to each and every one of us. But God is more than enough to put us over no matter what situation we encounter in this life. We hear people talking about end times and what's going to happen. We hear people wanting to store up for this and that and the other thing and buying all these different uh, things, let's say a, a generator, a bunch of bottled water and all that sort of thing. I'm telling you what, I've got something that is so free that you can have here tonight. It's but God, but God. We know, praise God, Jesus is coming again. And we know that no matter what happens, we've got a covenant with the living God. And he's made a promise to us. He made a covenant with us. He's given us the name above every other name. And no matter what anything the enemy does to anybody else, but God is on our side. We are not going to be without. If he can provide in the wilderness all that he provided for those Israelites who were, yes, his people, but were his sons and daughters. I think sometimes people fall short and fail to recognize that. We need to hold our shoulders back, our heads up high, and walk with the understanding that we are the children, the offspring of the living God who gave birth to us. And he who gave birth to us is not an infidel. If he requires that we take care of our children, then you know what? He's required to take care of his children. And you know what he said? You think I won't provide your food, your clothing, your water, all that you need to sustain you in this life? Look at the birds. Look at the fowl of the sea, the, the, the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air. Look and see all the flowers, how I've clothed the earth. You think I can't take care of you? Oh, ye little faith. Oh, but God has a plan. And I guarantee you, if that day ever comes, I'm going to hear a trumpet sound. <laughs> Are you? We're going to hear a trumpet sound, and we're going to be out of here in a flash. You think he's going to leave us destitute? Absolutely not. Uh-uh. I'm telling you, uh, this two-word phrase, it communicates a powerful message to our enemy. And what he hears is, we're not in defeat. We shout, but God will see us through. But God is more than enough. But God is on our side. So, look at Romans chapter 5. When it seems like as though everything is screaming and everything is shouting in the world. And I'll be honest with you. I am so tired of listening to politics. Are you yet? Do we really think that man can help us? I think we should know by now that man is not enough to do anything. I mean, thank God that God can use people. But in reality, the only one that could turn things around in any nation is the living God. And no matter what happens, we need to live with the but God mentality. But God is more than enough. But I believe in my God. But my eyes are on the living God that I serve. Like in the days of Jehoshaphat. Yeah, they're coming in, three armies coming to wipe you off the planet. But God spoke up. And God gave them a plan. And I love the beauty of God's plan. You ready for it? Just shout. Just send out the praisers and start shouting. Has some doctor told you what you have is incurable? Shout it out. But God said, 
But God said, with his stripes, I was healed, and nothing is too difficult for him. No matter what the world hurls our way, there needs to be a but God rebuttal from every single one of us. Oh yeah, I know what's happening in the economy. I know what's happening in the political world. I know what's happening here, there with the wall and all this and immigration, all that. But God is bigger than it all. But God is greater than it all. And if we keep our eyes on him and we start declaring, but God is seeing it through. But God's going to make a difference. But God's going to enter the White House. And there's coming a day when, but God in the person of Jesus Christ is going to touch down once again on the Mount of Olives and split that thing and set up the heavenly Jerusalem here upon this earth and he's going to reign and guess what all funding will come in through the tithe everything will balance out a perfectly balanced budget with no debt whatsoever can you say amen did you find Romans 5 8 5 7 8 yet Romans 5 for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God mm, commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Now what Paul is basically saying, he didn't elaborate. For a good man, someone might die you might be willing to lay down your life for someone that you knew that was really worthy of it but for someone and you could name many different things but for for a bad man or for, say for an alcoholic for a drug addict for an extortioner for a murderer for a thief for a robber and the list goes on and on for a prostitute for someone who's lost and hell bound would one even think about saying I'm going to lay down my life for that person hardly but God but God so loved the world but God no matter who you were before you got saved you were worth his laying down his life for if you were an alcoholic but God has set you free if you were a murderer like Paul the Apostle was he met Jesus on the road and found out but God was more than enough for him to overcome whatever it was all that religious junk that he was so let's say bound to and he let it go in a heartbeat and, and considered the excellency of the knowledge of Christ greater than anything he had learned from Rabbi Gamaliel. And whatever he learned in that secular college that he attended in Tarsus. But God so loved every single one of us. He so loved the world that he made provision for it. Now we wouldn't for someone that was so ungodly but he would. I put together some but statements. And the question I'm asking is, what side of the but are we focusing on? What side of the but? But first, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This verse is really a good verse to memorize. 
There is no temptation taken you but such as common to man. And there's another but statement. But God is faithful who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So here's the thing. Every one of us will be tempted. Every one of us is going to encounter difficulties in, as far as facing trials just like Jesus did when he was in the mound of temptation. And he was attacked on all three realms of life, spirit, soul, and body. But he was victorious. And you might think, well, is there a way of escape? Is there a way out? I am so overwhelmed by what I'm going through right now. Is there a way of escape? Is there a way out? We know the enemy is going to attack us. We know he's going to tempt, test, and try us. But God said, you're not going to get tempted, tested, or tried above that you are able. God will make a way of escape for every single one of us. So in other words, instead of saying, but I just can't seem to deal with it. But I just can't seem to overcome it. You see, we're living life in the but I stage. It's not us. We can't. But God. But God. I know but you made a way of escape for me. So you know what? I'm going to open up my eyes. I'm going to look around. And I'm going to find the way of escape that you have made for me. So instead of living a defeated negative life. And let pessimism rule. We're going to rise up and start declaring some of these but God statements. But my God is more than enough to see me through. So let's look at some of these. Number one. Have you ever heard the enemy say, well, you're just not worthy. You're not good enough. You know, you did this, you did that, you did the other thing. He'll always point to your past to point out certain things that maybe you did do before you even got saved. Or you did do even after you got saved, but maybe even many years ago or even yesterday. That's what he'll do. He'll point that stuff out and he'll get you to focus on that and focus on that until he absolutely drains you. So when he says you're not worthy, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9 through 11. You can say, yeah, I was that. Yes, I did that. Yes, I was, I was, I was. But God has declared me righteous and holy. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb, I am justified, I am cleansed. So my God has delivered me and set me free. So when he brings up your past, your mistakes, and tries to lay the guilt and condemnation on you, your rebuttal is, or your response is, but God has considered me justified, righteous, and holy in his sight. Irreprovable in his sight. So you see, what are we going to live by? The condemnation and the guilt the enemy hurls our way? Or, but God has set me free. Next, no one can help you. That's found in Psalm 3. Many, David said, have gathered round about me. And you know what they're telling me? There's no help for me in God. But you know what he said? Oh, thou, O Lord, you're a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. You're my refuge and strength. My very present help in time of trouble. So when the enemy comes along and he says, there's no help for you, what are you going to say? 
Say it all you want. But God said, he is my shield. He is my buckler. He will defend me. He will fight for me. He said, fear not, for I am with you. He said, be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Think about that. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So we could either live by what the enemy says or we can live by what God says. But God said, hallelujah, he's my helper. Actually, what God said was, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That you may say the Lord is my helper. So when the enemy says, there's no help for you. But God says, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man should do to me. Next, you're not going to make it. You've tried and you tried, but you're just not going to make it. Well, what am I going to say to that? See, he wants to get us to focus on our shortcomings, our faults, our failures, our inabilities and all that. And maybe in the past we did miss the mark or maybe it seems like as though there's some things that we've got to really overcome. But you know what God said? God said you're more than a conqueror through him that loves you. In all these things, you're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. See, our faith becomes potent by confessing everything that we are in Christ Jesus and everything that we have in Christ Jesus. In other words, identifying ourselves with him and not who we are in ourselves. So when the enemy comes along and makes these declarations to us, filling us with doubt and unbelief, our rebuttal once again is, but God said I'm more than a conqueror. You're too late. God said, I am more than a conqueror. That means a conqueror with leftovers. Is who, that's who we are. There's enough to get the job done. And there's a residue left over to take us to the next situation. Hallelujah. He's more than enough. Amen. The next one. It's incurable. It's incurable. There's nothing more that man can do. Boy, we've heard that. I know I've heard that. I know Andrew's heard that. There's no possible way that you can, we can make you a left pulmonary artery. I know Dante heard that. And the list goes on and on. And to be honest with you, when we hear those words, they're not easy to hear, are they? The ear doesn't like to hear things like that. It triggers off all kinds of things. This situation is not curable, is what man said. But God said, by his stripes, you were healed. By whose stripes, ye were healed. Oh yeah, the devil said this, but praise God, he said that. Who am I going to listen to? And what am I going to live by? Fear or faith? Faith shouts it from the mountaintop, but God said he's more than enough. And what man says is incurable, he's already become the curse for. And so he's delivered us from that. Next, no one cares about you. And how many people are left in a state of loneliness and also with a victim mentality thinking that People really don't care. And it's nothing more than the enemy sending his emissaries and surrounding a person's ears just like earbuds. 
going into their ears. No one cares about you. See, no one even thinks about you. And etc., etc. But you know what God said? Why is it so easy to gravitate towards what the devil says or circumstances say or even people might say and not come over here and say, but God said in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, cast your care upon me because I care for you watchfully and about you affectionately. Did you hear those words? I care for you watchfully and about you affectionately. It's easy for us to look over here. Nobody cares and develop that kind of a mentality. But God said, but God said, I care for you so much and I've proven the care that I have for you. Watchfully, affectionately. God wants us to proclaim it and shout it from the mountaintops what he said and exalt it above what circumstances say or what the enemy says. Next one. The mountain that's before you is insurmountable. There's no possible way you're going to be able to navigate through that. That's what man says. That's what the devil says. That's what we heard. But praise God, God said something different. God said, speak to your mountain. He said it would remove if you speak to your mountain. Did he not say that? So the enemy tries to tell us there's no way that anything can happen here for Andrew because it's impossible for us to make a left pulmonary artery. But God said whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. So we could have went over here on this end and just said, well, we're just going to live by this. It's impossible. And tell everybody what we heard. It's impossible. They can't make a left pulmonary artery. There's just no possible way it's going to happen. And so we're going to have to suffer this for the rest of his life. Or we can choose to say, we appreciate what you said, but we're going to live by what God said. God said, all things are possible to him that believes. And so, we choose to live by that. Now, of course, we were looked at as if we were a bunch of lunatics, but that's okay. You might have to put up with that for a little bit, because you want to stand your ground. But didn't he say the mountain would remove if you'd speak to it? Absolutely. Look at the next one. There is no way. How many times have we heard there is no way? Can't be done. There's no way. There's no way for you to get a job. There's no way for this church to succeed. There's no way that you could leave where you were and take on such a project with the limited resources that you have. Beloved, when God is in the equation, when God has made a declaration, when God has spoken, when God says, fear not, only believe, when God says, I want you to step out and do that, when God says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, when God says, take up your bed and walk, it does not matter what man says or the economy says. It does not matter what the professionals say or the politicians say. What matters is what God says. So when they say there is no way, but God says, I'll make a way where there is no way. So I am going to live by what God says but God said I'm the way the truth and the life didn't Jesus say that so you see let this just resonate within us the things that we hear throughout the course of a day
Hear yourself saying, but God. Look at the next one. You're going to die. You're going to die. And I'll tell you what, this one is critical for all of us. You're going to die. But God said in Psalm 118 verse 17, you will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. We can gravitate toward that and it's an easy thing to do living in this natural world that we live in or we can say "Mm, I'm changing my way of thinking I'm changing my attitude I'm changing my focus maybe that's what man said maybe that's what the devil said but God said you will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord and I think about Andrew once again because many times he emphasizes to us He says, but Jesus said, you've got to go back and you've got to tell people about me. And to be honest with you, I'm sure there's others that are out there like this. I cannot tell you the lengthy conversations I had with Andrew about how he could be more effective in telling people about Jesus. You ready for this one? This is most recent. I know I don't sing very well. He said, but you know, the prayer, the Bible says that if you ask, you'll receive. So if I keep on singing in my bedroom and asking God to give me a better voice, you think he would? I said, well, I'm sure he would. Just keep on doing what you're doing. He said, you know, I don't want it for myself. I want it so that when I get to the 10th or the 11th grade in school, I can go up on the platform when they have this doing that they have and you stand before the whole school. He says, I want to go up there and I want to stand up there. I want to say, can I have 30 seconds first of all to tell everybody about Jesus? And I want all of them to hear me say all about Jesus and then I want to sing the songs and he's had the songs that we sing here. And I'm going to sing the song for them all to hear. How many think dad will get saved during that? I said, God knoweth. God knoweth. He is consumed with, how can I better tell people about Jesus? That's it. No matter what he's doing. No matter where he's going. He's 15 years old and he is completely engrossed in finding out better ways to tell his friends and their families about Jesus. That's it. And you know what? I I really believe that when you get that second chance and you come for where he came from, you recognize you've got a mission. You're living on his time now. Can you say amen? but God oh they said he could never live but God but God but God next one your life is meaningless how many people have taken their lives because they felt that their life had no value no meaning no purpose whatsoever and you try to convince them you try to tell them you know, and we hear this all the time because we're asked to pray for people all the time. You know, my so-and-so is suicidal. What can we do? You know, beloved, you go to the Bible and you see the man whose son was suicidal, throwing himself oftentimes into the water to drown. 
oftentimes into the fire to, to die by being burned. And this father, we read that, it's so easy to read over, but can you begin to imagine the magnitude of what that man was going through and trying to stop his son from committing suicide because of the demon powers that were there, operative in his life? Can we even begin to imagine that? Hard to imagine. And when someone truly gets down and depressed to a place of such deep depression or even obsession into thinking that their lives don't matter whatsoever, there's no value to them. You know, and we think, sometimes we say, well, all we can do is pray. And sometimes I think we need to stop prefacing that way because it's not all we can do is pray. It's what we can do is pray and believe God and make a highway for God to move. If we can't convince them, We'll ask for labors of love to convince them. We'll ask if need be, praise God, let, a ho- let the a holy angel of God show up on the scene and manifest himself and let them know. Let something happen in their lives that's, that's of God. To open up their eyes, to see the value of their lives. And let them know something like what God said. You know what he said? They say, your life has no value or meaning. But God said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. And there it is laid out before you. Stop thinking that way. That's the emphasis of the enemy in a person's life as he sees his shortcomings in the mirror when he sees himself in the morning time. But we've got to plaster all over that mirror, praise God. Plaster all around his life. God said he has a plan for you for good, not for evil, to give you a future and to give you of hope. So this is what but God said. Stop hanging your life on what the enemy says. Start declaring what God Almighty said, but God said. And then also, finally, it's impossible. Hmm. Is it impossible? Well, Jesus said with man it might be impossible, but not with God. But God said all things are possible. God said with God all things are possible, but God said all things are possible to him that believeth. And God said, speak to your mountain, it will remove, and nothing will be impossible unto you. We need to shift the way we think and shift our focus away from what the devil says, what the world says, what even our flesh says. And you know as well as I do, we're living in this natural realm where we are, you say, shielded from the spiritual realm of life. And we can't see beyond the veil because of our natural blindness to that realm. But God gave us a means by which we could look and see beyond the curtain of this life. And we need to educate ourselves in the flesh, in the way we think, and start declaring. It doesn't matter what my five physical senses tell me. I'm not going to live a life bound by my five physical senses, limited 
to what I can see or hear or feel or taste or smell. I am not going to live my life that way. I realize that man says this is a natural truth, but thank God there is a higher truth. God said let God be true and every man be a liar. I'm choosing to live a different kind of a lifestyle. One that says, I know what the devil said, I know what the flesh said, I know what the world said, but God said all things are possible to him that believes. And so thank God for what he said. I am going to bank on what God said and exalt what he said far above anything else I encounter in this life. So, in conclusion, but God can climb a mountain, whatever that mountain may be. But God can cross the darkest valley. But God can stop a raging sea. But God can walk us through the fire when it's heated seven times hotter. But God can bring us out of the lion's den. And the list goes on. But God can cause the blind to see. But God can cause the deaf to hear. But God can cause the lame to walk. But God can remove whatever it is that needs to be removed. If we'll just focus our attention on what God said. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That you and I may boldly say. We could say, but God said, he will never leave me nor forsake me. I could boldly say that God is my helper. And if God be for me, who can be against me? If God is on my side, praise God, we are the majority. So I refuse to live my life limited by what man said, the devil said, or the world said, I choose to live my life by what God said and put him on the throne of my heart. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It's our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. 
I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.